This week, I'm talking with Tim Nolan, Director of Student Wellbeing at Clunes, which is Wesley College's residential experiential education program located in the small rural town of Clunes in central Victoria. Tim has had a diverse career working in retail and outdoor education, and now as Director of Student Wellbeing, providing leadership in a much broader approach to experiential education that focuses on the importance of community. At the start of every term, a group of year nine boys and girls leave home and the daily routines of normal life in Melbourne and move into shared houses with a group of other students from the different campuses that Wesley has. Many of these students have never met before stepping on the bus as it leaves Melbourne. Whilst that sounds similar to some other residential programs, what makes this program unique is that it's not based around outdoor education activities. Instead, it's far more connected with learning through involvement in the local community. Students are responsible for the daily routine in what becomes their home for eight weeks. All of the shopping, cooking, cleaning, wake up times, bedtime, study time and socialisation times are their responsibility. They also work in different shops in town and help out at the local school and aged care centre. What I really like about this approach is the fact that it's focused on building real relationships within a rural community. Something which many people would never understand unless they have actually lived the experience for themselves. It was great to visit the town and see the impact that this program has both on the students and the wider community. Today I'm talking with Tim Nolan, the Head of Student Welfare and Community Partnerships at Clunes, which is Wesley College's unique Year 9 co-ed residential program named after the town of Clunes in which it operates. Tim is also the chair of the Clunes Booktown. Thanks for chatting with us today. Yeah, pleasure. Absolutely. Just to start with, can you give us a little bit of a background of your own journey and how you ended up at Clunes? You know, when you, when you fall into different things where working with teams, working with groups has always, you know, when I was 15, I started coaching basketball and then ended up going through uni coaching basketball while studying English and then ended up doing a master's in outdoor ed vaguely through a, a transition moment where I realised that the way I worked with groups had much more in common with how groups operate together was really my passion. And so ended up going through outdoor ed, got sidetracked into working in outdoor retail and worked as a manager of Kathmandu, again, working with teams and, and sort of vaguely in the area of training and, and working with people who wanted to have adventures. And was studying at Bendigo and spoke to the, the head of Bendigo there about you know, my theories on education and the need for it to be a community-focused, experiential, holistic program. And he said, you should go to Clunes. And so I actually came and did my teaching rounds at Clunes. It turned out that it was a, a really good bit of advice because it really did match a lot of what I felt and still believe really strongly about education for the whole person and experiential and the need for it to be a community-connected experience that respected the, the talents and abilities of teenagers and 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 what communities had to teach them as well. And Clunes is quite different to outdoor ed. We've actually had coffee in town. Yeah. I've seen a couple of classes 
in different shops. They're getting milkshakes and so on from the cafe whilst they're doing their lesson. And from what I observed, it's quite a different feel. So give us a bit of an overview of why this is a unique program versus what a lot of people expect with, say, an outdoor ed program. Yeah, I think there is that fairly common perception that a a residential outdoor ed program or a wilderness program is going to be lots of hard skills where people are going on adventures and then unpacking group development within that. There's absolutely lots of soft skills in there and I'm a big fan of all that sort of stuff. But Clunes is really modelled on a, a slightly different sort of set of philosophies, I guess, and, and that initial principle of the decision to, to put it one block away from the centre of a small community uh, was really conscious that it was about experiencing community and that connection and you mentioned that some of the things that you'd heard about the program were the level of community service and engagement and time in working in different shops and businesses and at local schools and that sort of stuff. And the other thing that comes with that, of it being a normal experience rather than adventure experience perhaps, where kids come up here and the challenge is to live, live really well within that community philosophy. And the living part, the houses are, are different from most other sort of outdoor ed camps where you might self-cater on expedition, but when you come back, you're in the dining hall and there's a cook or something like that. So for us, the fact that students live in four bedroom houses that are their houses, two bathrooms, they do their own laundry, they do their own shopping for food, they do their own cooking in their own kitchen, they serve it in their own table and staff will actually come and eat the food that they prepare in their house with them rather than they'll come out of their house. So the sense of it as an experience where what we're trying to develop is a sense of the capacity to care for self, community or others and place within a very kind of realistic living experience. We try to have them come away with a sense of how to function in a community. It would be an interesting and challenging transition because they're going from a city, generally Melbourne, four and a half million people to a town in central Victoria of less than 2,000. Yeah, 1,700. So how do you prepare the students for that and what are some of the challenges in that transition phase or that transition period? In terms of preparation, I think we're lucky. The program's now 17, 18 years old and it started in 2000. So the culture of the program has its own sort of history and momentum and there are you know students who've left and certainly older brothers and sisters will pass on sort of stuff about what it means to go to Clunes and what it's like and how to approach it and it's always funny when I go down to pick up the new students on pickup day and the older siblings are there or other students from past groups and I always ask them what advice have you given what have you passed on about what to do and what not to do and how to how to go about it and there's some some of the best bits of wisdom I've heard came from those conversations of other kids passing on stuff. So I think in some ways the preparation work is done by this sort of innate cultural presence of of the program. That's something to be really mindful of. The specific things that we do, we do a, a couple of different information nights for parents and kids and then we do an orientation day in Melbourne four days before they come up where we spend the whole day sort of looking at different ways that the group's going to function and sort of starting some of the, the more practical stuff around behaviour management, but also around, you know, they do their first house cleaning roster in Melbourne. So it's functionally, it's a good thing, but 
also in terms of processes and group formation and understanding you know how they might work together and then they have to look at dietary needs and so there's a bit of sort of sharing what they like and what they don't like and what someone might need to say I'm you know I'm anaphylactic to that so it's a really big deal for me and so those sort of getting to know and respect and accept the differences that are coming and how they're going to actually work with each other. As we mentioned before, there's no formal classrooms at Clunes and saw one downtown, which was uh, really interesting. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of a couple of the different spaces and how you've developed those with the community? There's a range of different sort of partnerships. Obviously, it's something that is always evolving and yeah, changes as different local people, kids. Certainly in, in my 10 years here, there've been different groups of local kids who've felt more empowered to take part in you know Friday night basketball or whatever. And then as they'd gone from 14 and then become 18 year olds, and then they're too old to kind of be in this social setting. So they move through and, and at times there aren't local kids who might feel like that. So the, the level of engagement from the community into the program just sort of shifts it can be you know as much as as one individual who's got a really strong connection there's some amazing staff on the team at the moment who are really powerfully connected into the community and that's that's brilliant for for where we're going the setting on campus is that we have two at two and a half um, kind of halls which are brilliant spaces really versatile beautiful spaces that have a lot of history in in themselves you know from the gold rush times and when i say two and a half one's a, a big bluestone church one's a weather old weatherboard church hall called the jubilee hall and then there's one that used to be a kinder we also use the local town hall there's a, a venue in town above the library which has some quite nice modern facilities there's another kind of dedicated classroom space in what sort of looks like a, a shop site across the road from where we're having coffee and that's another teaching space of ours and in terms of developing them we partner with businesses in that we might you know use that we certainly use the local greengrocer and the local butcher and the local baker and the local IGA so we support businesses in that way and we have community service kids going in and it feeds back and forth really well but in terms of specific development there's little projects that have happened through different community partnership initiatives over the years. You know, there's a site about eight kilometres out the road where Wesley College and Ulina Landcare Group and the Department of Sus- then DSE and the Catchment um, Management Authority entered a 99-year lease to, to revegetate a land and we've got, we built a fire pit and put some picnic tables out there and, and that sort of thing. So you know, it's fantastic to be, go out there and see the trees growing and, and think that Wesley College has, has been a big part of what's happening on that land and there's different sites like that all around the place. So those sort of senses that we can interact with different spaces in ways that, that make a difference, that contribute to community and then community see some added value that, that we're bringing. And you work in a number of contexts. So there's, there's local shops, kids get to work in the shops, kids get to work with aged care. So there's a whole range of different experiences. I guess that would present its own challenges, but that's massive opportunities for working with a whole range of different people that they would never have that experience in true community service. How do you shape that or how do you frame that about this is the community service you're going into over the next few weeks? It's a really good question and I think it's actually a huge challenge. You use the phrase true community service and one of the elements of true community service has to be a sense of choice and the capacity for someone to identify a need within the community 
that they feel they have the power to address and then they act on that. That's, you know, ideally that's, that's what true community service would really look like. The challenges for us and I think for any program and for anyone sort of teaching anybody within an eight-week brand new context to them where they haven't actually even met the community before to find ways where it's actually true community service where the kids go, ah, I saw that, you know, so-and-so is struggling a little bit or that there's an elderly population and we think we could do this to help them. We don't really have the time. It's really kind of an exposure to what community service might look like in a, in a true sense it's an it's an exposure to the experience but you're right it is an incredible opportunity for them to encounter local people and local businesses in a way and local schools and the elderly up at the health center absolutely and to see that they can contribute and they have that power that often i think teenagers feel they lack or that they they might have and they'd like to push to prove that they have it but they don't have many opportunities to kind of show it and the challenges to relate, to, to sort of think that often teenagers are, are sort of boxed in just with other teenagers. And so the, we have lost a little bit of that sense of really big vertical connection to elders in all, of all sorts across the community. So in our program, the, the kids who have community service each Friday get to choose and they, there's a little automated sort of sign up thing that they can sign up on a Wednesday and then we allocate and, and work out who can, you know, the two people that can go to the butcher and the two to the news agents and the two to the hairdresser and the two to the bakery and the few to the, the local ware, warehouse, which is the name of the this sort of cultural centre near the library. So they get to choose to that extent and they go in and have that experience of what they can contribute for a couple of hours. They can have a conversation and hopefully just each week feel a little bit more empowered that it's something that they could choose if they saw that need at a different time and they can see that the kind of outcomes that they can have. Because it, it's possibly a really grey area for, for a lot of kids where community service is not necessarily seen as just going in and helping and it could just be kind of overwhelming that you have to raise tens of thousands of dollars to help a cause rather than yeah. you go and read something to someone who, who is old. Yeah. and the difference you can make to that one person's day and, and to their overall feeling and happiness is is huge versus going out and raising X dollars to do something that you, you never ever see the end result. Absolutely. And I think, you know, to actually answer your question around how do you how do you brief the kids, how do you have that conversation, it's actually much more if you're going, say, into the health centre or into a primary school, the sense of sometimes kids feel like, what's my responsibility here? How do I get this right? Part of it's about they're not, you know, if you're going into a classroom, nobody's expecting you to be the teacher. We're expecting you to be the role model student who can sit next to someone and, and help them. Or, as you say, with the senior citizens, you know, they bake a cake before they go up. And so the challenge is really to sit there and bake a cake and, and share, eat the cake. Yeah. with someone and then they might play bingo or yeah. you know do a trivia quiz and and it's really nice for them to yeah. recognize that they might get some answers in the trivia quiz but they might not recognize the photo of Elvis in the trivia quiz that the older person does and yes. then they can tell a story about what that was like and how important it is to listen and how much of a difference that can make to someone's day if they do that well it, it can be super challenging for a kid who is sitting with someone who has a little bit of dementia so keeps asking the same questions um, and might not speak super clearly so that and the kid might not have English as their first language so as a new student to the school I remember this from last term and he was sort of sitting there going I'm really struggling because I can't understand 
exactly what she's saying, but this client up at the health centre liked colouring. And so I said, just, just get a bit of paper and colour with her. And that's, that's what, that'll be great. Yeah. And so to just kind of give them ways and affirm what they're doing. Yeah, I love that part of your, part of your program. I know there's no typical day in something like this, but what would be sort of a, a kind of typical week or something, just a, an outline of what a student would go through or experience during any, any set week? Yeah, as you say, there's no typical, and, and the, the, of what a student would go through is probably different to what a student would do, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, the, if we start on a Monday, in a typical day, students would have a morning meeting at 8 o'clock. They would then go to their first session, and three days a week that session would be physical activity, whether it's part of the running program or part of the wellbeing program. And the wellbeing program actually combines yoga sessions on one day and then more like sort of a CrossFit inspired adventure kind of obstacle race challenge program in it. So that's sort of their first session. And then they'd have basically the school-ish day would go until sort of 3.30. And then after that, the cook would potentially need to go shopping or to start cooking. Dinner would be on the table at six. There'd probably be an evening activity of some sort from 7, 7.30. And then the end of the day, they'd be back home by nine o'clock and it'd be sort of lights out and, and settling in, into sleep by 10 o'clock. So with morning meeting at eight o'clock, students are encouraged to be up by sort of seven. So we're really trying to give them 10 o'clock to seven o'clock as sleep time. Yeah. Then if we look across the week, so Mondays and Thursdays, currently project days, and it's something that's evolving and always evolving. So this is kind of what it is now. The individual project and the class project happen on, on those days. And the individual project is really an exploration of something that is their passion, something that has kind of caught their eye in a way when they've come to the town or they've thought about rural or regional communities or the idea of community or the challenges here and just we're trying to find whatever that spark is for them that gets them excited and curious to find out more it's an interdisciplinary unit so the idea isn't just that they research the topic and then they present it through an art form but they can do it the other way around and certainly the idea is that their topic extends their understanding and challenges their capacity to express using that art form you know, how do I express environmental degradation through the gold rush in the form of a music piece? Yeah. Like that's going to challenge me as a composer yeah, to do that. Absolutely. And if I'm a composer and I'm comfortable with music, how am I challenged by the idea of using that? Like the idea of looking at environmental degradation through the gold rush is going to challenge me as a composer. So mm. in both ways, they are should be enriching lenses for each other that yeah. extend their understanding and then in the middle is some kind of synthesis of those two ideas that that challenges them to be better thinkers and better artists on tuesdays and wednesdays is where we sort of dig deeper into this living well program so there are things like the fitness experiences there's the um, cooking program which is called food planning where they they're challenged to understand the collaborative process of feeding a house the financial process the environmental and ethical and associated challenges of eating well so there's a there's a lot going on obviously in in that sort of food planning they need to order the the nuts and bolts they need to know what they're going to put on in in their shopping cart so that they can bring it back and they can make healthy lunches that's part of it the other parts are 
you know, all of the different kind of things that come with living well. How do you how do you notice what's going on for yourself as a person? How do you notice what's going on for your housemates? How do you understand what's going on in a community? How do you recognise the impact of your local environment on you? Mm. So if I live in a messy house, what does that do to us? Yeah. If I make my bedroom beautiful and have photos of family and home and letters from grandma up on the wall, what, how does that help me? Yeah. If I plant some trees and get involved in revegetation work, how does that affect me as well as how does it affect mm. the planet? So all of those questions as part of what we try and approach in that living well thing and that's just that first step of gaining an awareness of stuff and then that capacity to make choices and that's tuesday and wednesday and on a friday is community service and our elective program and the elective program has a range of different aims around finding different ways to kind of explore some of the themes that link through the week so you might go be part of the leave no trace which is a, a hiking program where they'll explore different parts of the local region there's also the music program there's generally there's a clay-based program as in a it's called slabbit and those different programs depend on staff passion and skill and then there's the weekend program saturdays and sundays where there's different offerings each week last week it was the 80s disco you know trip to the op shop so everyone can buy their two dollar hyper colored headband or whatever nice. you know that sort of thing and so they could step out and see what it's like to play in ways that don't have lots of baggage around yeah. all of the social stuff that might be happening to just be inclusive that's really cool yeah especially with if they're coming from such a structured life to then have some this moment where they can be a kid they can interact with people in a different way that's really cool we were chatting before about the way in which you bring an, an elder in or a mentor or the, the, the boys program where they have to nominate some adult, doesn't necessarily have to be dad, but some adult that they connect with. Uh, can you just describe a little bit about that part of the program and how that fits in yeah. to the overall program? It happens for both boys and girls. There is a, a women's gathering and, a, and the men's gathering where the students get to invite an older female for the girls and an older male for the boys. Um, in traditional societies, there's some really powerful markers of moments of transition and initiation and entry into to adulthood and that sort of stuff. And in some ways, modern society has lost that and there's lots of work around what transition and initiation looks like and, you know, going out with a bunch of other 18-year-old mates and getting drunk probably isn't the best version of initiation no, that we could have. And and so what's missing from some of that sort of modern version of that can be connection to elders, capacity to, to talk with people who've, who've got different layers of wisdom to add to that journey. And so that's, that's, I think, particularly strong in the men's, and I don't want to take that away from the girls either. There's obviously lots of similar challenges, but... As I say, when you look at the risk factors, they're slightly different. And so the aims and outcomes are slightly different. But in both cases, the capacity to connect with elders and to see that that conversation is possible in a way that's really powerful, deep, meaningful, open, vulnerable, and still enjoyable is beautiful. And it it can be a really lovely part of the program. Now a bit of a tricky question. How do you evaluate such a unique program? both individually for a student and also the long-term impact it has? It is a tricky question. I think the long-term impact is impossible to 
effectively and kind of in any sense accurately map. It's certainly not easy to get a real sense of the impact of any part of education 10 years down the road to, and say, oh, that, that bit was because of clones yeah. versus yeah. that bit was because this happened at home or that bit happened on that holiday or that bit happened in English. Some of the anecdotal stuff is really good, so yeah. that's lovely. But in terms of how we assess it here and try and, you know, if we come back to, to notions of, of good assessment and feedback, mm. it has to be ongoing. There's, there isn't much point having the experience and then giving an assessment at the end. Yeah. So the the capacity, again, I've spoken about, you know, our need to be reflective all the way through. So our capacity and, and need to be able to give students feedback and, and share that feedback with their parents in a sort of timely manner all the way through the program. Yeah. Well, finally, the anecdotal evidence, because I know experiential education, so many examples of aha moments in students and it's certainly from my experience it's easy to pull out some of those aha moments where you see a transition from us from a student who's maybe struggled and then they've achieved something do you have a standout moment or a number of moments that you've seen over the years where a student has gone ah I now get it or, or there's that transition certainly those kids who there's a high level of struggle around homesickness is probably something um, which is wrapped up in a bunch of different things. It can be high learning needs, social emotional anxiety, a, a, a sense of this is an overwhelming challenge for them. In talking about that, I remember sitting on the bus on the way up from Melbourne. It was really clear that this one student was, this was scary, like she cried for most of the way up on the bus and, and we just chatted and talked about that for most kids, their aim is to, you know, go to Clunes and have a good time and finish their works. For her, her aim was getting on the bus. And once she'd got on the bus, she was kind of done. Like, yeah. she didn't really want to get off at the other end. And so working with that student to just develop her capacity to, to be in the moment of, of her own capacity... I, if that makes sense, you know, her ability to think, okay, I'm on the bus now and I'm okay. And when I get off the bus, we'll see. To yeah. not make judgments about that once she got off the bus, it wasn't going to work. And she struggled through the first week and certainly a few, a bit more after that, I, I can remember. But her sense of pride and the transition in her sort of sense of her own capacity to do this thing, to, to socialise, to to manage and so much of it is about a sense of control over fear the idea that somewhere in the future they know they're going to fail because they know that they don't don't they don't already know that thing and they, don't, yeah. they have no sense that when they get there they might be able to work it out or someone's yeah. going to help them and so yeah that's 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 certainly one that I remember and that and the other aha moment that I like and I mentioned it earlier a bit is is the actually the recognition of others I think that's huge I think the recognition that someone that they'd prejudged before or a whole group of people that they'd prejudged before mm. coming to Clunes, they actually realise they're actually really nice people yeah. and they've got a lot going on. But when it happens really well and you get a whole big group of students who kind of allow each other to feel safe and be themselves and be accepted and move through the campus easily without feeling like, oh, that's that group or that's that group, that moment of realisation is really cool. 
that would be fantastic to see to see that transition, and that's a very powerful thing for a community. So, yeah. and for a teenager, yeah. so that's that's excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Tim. Thank you for walking us through the program and the great work that you're doing here at Clunes. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, you, Dave. That was Tim Nolan, Director of Student Wellbeing at Clunes. For more information on the Clunes program, check out the links in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us and leave a nice review. It helps others to find the podcast and helps me to review and improve the show as well. If you'd like to get in touch or want to let me know about an experiential education program you're running, please drop us a line through the website. Join us next week as we explore more great opportunities for experiential education.